Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, let me get you off to the right start on your online dating journey. And it is going to be a journey. Boy, do I promise you that. But do you want that journey to be a little less painful? Well, go to kristencarney.com slash dating help and I can help make that possible. I can help power up your dating profile. I can help fine tune your banter skills, which will take you to the next level and get you the girl that you want. So go to kristencarney.com slash dating help. That's kristencarney.com slash dating help. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have dating coach Josh Hudson on the show with us, and he's going to talk to us about how to achieve your full potential as a man. And that means wiping out all the crap, all the BS, all the past beliefs, all the other stuff that is no good for you, getting rid of it and starting fresh with a better perspective and a better belief system in yourself. And Josh is going to tell us exactly how to do that. So keep listening. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Ask Women podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kristen Carney here, of course, with Marnie Kinras, owner of wingrowmethod.com. And we have with us the owner and creator of Pinnacle of Man, Josh Hudson. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Hey, thanks for having me. Hey. Hi, Josh. So <laughs> I love how after six years, Kristen's like, I still don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to well, say this intro, but it's the same thing. The Everyone's like, got comfortable in person and then we moved to the, over the internet and then it got weird again. I know. And plus, we always have technical issues up front. So then you're like, ah, frazzled and stuff. So... Yeah. Anyway, I thought you did a fantastic job and now Josh Thank is going to do a fantastic job. Thank you. Josh, can you can you just tell the people who are listening a little bit about you and your journey to become a dating coach because I know that people who are dating coaches always have interesting stories about why they are who they are and they do what they do. Yeah, definitely. Um so much like a lot of people in the kind of dating niche, uh there is an original source of pain. I know growing up I was Super introverted, um, and uh, you know my first relationship was pretty toxic to say the least. That's one word to describe it, at least. And uh, you know I was cheated on, and I you know I took it really personal. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, yeah, it was actually I was cheated on multiple times by her. You know, I took her back, 
And uh, so that really kind of carved a wound deep inside me to figure out like what was going on, why was I cheated on? And it kind of started this place of pain of like trying to develop myself, but it really became this wound turned into like more of a scar and a part of who I am. And it allowed me to change myself and actually help men uh, go through and learn like how to become their best self and to uh, really find you know the right partner for them. Um, so and what so, what do you think you were doing wrong? Or that's what I was going to ask. Why did you get cheated yeah. on? <laughs> At the time, like the, t- the time, the what beliefs that I have at the time or now after the fact? Well, let's at hear both. Okay, good, good, good one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so um, at the time, I just thought, you know, I, I didn't know, I thought like only married couples, like after 50 years, cheated on each other, you know? So I, I was yeah. like, I was shocked at first. And um, then I was like, obviously, since all, you know, being people are very egocentric oftentimes at an early date, uh, age of development, I was like, sorry, well, what, as- what age were you at when this happened? I was I was seventeen. Seven. Okay. Well. Okay. That makes sense. And so I was like, okay, something has to be wrong with me. I mean, this guy. She basically left me for another guy. I was like, this guy has to have something that I don't. Right. See, Otherwise, the adult, the adult in me, not that I have much adult, but wants to mm-hmm. say she cheated on you because you're a teenager and she's a teenager. <laughs> right. Exactly. No. No. no, no that, that's. I mean, simple. after. You know, after you know, going through grad school and my master's degree in psychology and being a therapist and all this other stuff, personal <laughs> work, like yeah, I, I can see that clearly now. Like um, at the time, though, the the belief I had was I wasn't good, right? So yeah, I, of course. And, and I'm sure Marnie, you see this like that's a common wound to people in like dating relationships in general. Just what I female clients as well, and just like not being good enough. And so that's my um, wound but, too. That's my gremlin that pops up. You're not good enough. No, it's, it's, it's mine. It's I claim it. I know it's everybody's. Yeah. That's the whole it, thing. It's, it's like it's very common, right? Yeah. 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 So that really touched on that. And uh, now, now after the fact, it's like just more of um, you know, things happen for a reason. She had her own issues with her family and father and stuff like that. And we were kids, and yeah, it, it's is you know much different now. Yeah. <laughs> So how so how do people get to that better place without having to go get a degree in psychology and <laughs> go on this huge challenge? Yeah. What's a better well, way to to understand why people do cheat? Yeah, I mean a lot of obviously education and uh, you know reading and but also attending sem- seminars or obviously talking with a therapist or a dating coach who has you know gone through that or themselves or has helped people you know heal those wounds themselves. So definitely going to see like a mentor. Yeah. Well, what mm-hmm. what was one of the most impactful things that did help you heal? I, I know it's like a, a, you know, a, a ton of things that you were doing, course, but was there one aha moment or one statement that was made or one person that you talked to that did shift the way that you viewed that situation? Yeah, I would say twofold. You know, I, ta- I mentioned books like... Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of the book, The Four Agreements. Yeah. Um, the first time, and I, that was one of the first self development books I ever read. And you know, the agreement of not taking nothing personal was like it. He really made it resonate for me um, that like nothing anyone ever does is because of you, right? It's it's their own stuff. And um, so that, and then also, you know, seeing a therapist myself uh, in grad school and working on it, um, and you know, her showing me kind of the truth about human behavior and why things happen, and um, showing me counterexamples that I am loved, I am enough, you know, with other people in my life. So. Definitely those two things. That's for, fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And so now how how do you teach other people to see that within themselves, separate from being cheated on? But one of the things that you had said in your bio was that you help people see their true potential for who they are. And I thought this was really interesting. I mean, 
I've been coaching people for 15 years and this is at the base of everything that I do is help them see that they are in control. They have the key. They have the power. They just have to unlock it. Um, But it's been popping up a lot recently with the feedback that I've been getting from clients of mine where they will say, you've helped me realize I have the potential to like those exact words to to do anything that I want to do. So I want to get an understanding from you on like how... How do you help people and the people who are listening find their real potential? Yeah, um, the how is a very long. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. No, no, yeah, definitely. That that's like the, the whole teaching process, right? But I, I'll try to kind of uh, encapsulate it down to a smaller uh, chunk size bite. Um, I would say there are certain areas of our life where we do feel confident, where we do feel we're enough. Certain contexts. So if it's for a client that's you know that I have, for example, who's amazing at their job. You know, and they feel that they're enough of their job, but yet when it comes to relationships, it's different, right? So it's like showing them they have the ability to feel enough in a certain area of their life. And so really translating that area of confidence or those positive emotions to the other aspect of their life and really showing that they have the capability because we organize our life into stories more than anything. And people are often telling themselves a certain story about a chapter of their life. And so I go in and I help them kind of rewrite that story by... um, Doing some cognitive restructuring, basically just like taking other areas of their life and really translating it to the area that's kind of traumatized. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the shortened version of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's a yeah. great version. Yesterday, I was talking yeah. to a guy um, doing some banter stuff, and he was like, "I'm so great at tennis, and I'm terrible at banter." And I mm. was like, "But they're both a back like, and that's forth." That's it. That's the, the exact same thing. Right. It's back great and forth. Right. Great right. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so how did you help him then with the banter so that he would be okay with it? I Using a tennis metaphor. Face. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, metaphor, metaphor is really powerful. Uh, that's a lot of the work too. It's like, I know Tony Robbins uses that a lot. But like using metaphors is like, it kind of bypasses our conscious like defense mechanism brain right into our like yeah. subconscious brain. So It's so funny. I notice that when I get into debates or arguments with my husband, I tend to lean on metaphors as well. Because sometimes mm. he can be a bit like narrow-minded and only see what's right in front of him, which I understand. So if I do, you know, provide another context to explain an emotion that I'm feeling or some or whatever I'm trying to explain, if I do give an outside scenario, he can see it much easier as opposed to like diving into what he's so fully focused on. So yeah, I I find that taking yourself out of the situation really helps. I did and I did want to. Oh sorry, go on. Do that? It does. It totally does. I mean, it makes him a little bit angry because he's like, oh, okay, now I get it. (laughs) But but it helps him understand it or it helps him feel my pain or it helps him be empathetic. And I do find that 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 does help in many areas. It even helps with my children. I did want to comment a little bit on, you know, the negative talk that all of us said that we have of I'm not good enough. And I think I've mentioned this before in my podcast, and I'm very certain that you have something similar in the coaching that you provide people with. But I I went to go see a coach like 12 years ago. She ended up being crazy, but she gave me like some (laughs) wonderful tools on the front end before she ended up being crazy. Um, She had done Landmark and like all these different coaching programs. So she just pulled everything together. Uh, But one one of the exercises she provided for me to help me soothe, potentially eliminate that negative voice was something called noticing your gremlin. And it was a book that she had given to me. It was like a children's style book that was animated. But the instructions in the book were about how to get this 
gremlin, which is the I'm not good enough voice, to calm down a little bit. And basically, it's crazy after. Like yeah, after I'm like, what? I mean, what? Like, tons of crazy people have wonderful things to say. She just ended up having her own issues, which every coach does. You know, that's why you go on this path because you got your own shit to figure out. But so the the gremlin exercise was basically the voices that are in our head are are there to protect us. They're like our parents, right? So if it's saying you're not good enough or you're going to get hurt or whatever is going on inside of our head, it's there to protect us from potentially falling flat on our face the same way that parents are trying to protect us. Don't go out too late because you might get killed or you might get kidnapped or you might, whatever it is. It's there to protect right. us, not to actually hurt us. And so first thing to do is is to recognize what is this gremlin and this little voice that's inside your head and what is it saying and that that takes time to to notice and to pay attention to and see what the actual sentence is and usually there's like one of 10 sentences for most people as you saw from the three of us having a similar thought in our mind but once you know what that sentence is the assignment is to then get a visual of the the gremlin that's saying this statement to you. And it's meant to look like an actual gremlin, however you visualize a gremlin. So I had given myself the exercise to notice my gremlin. And I said out loud before I went to bed, and I did this while I was rolling my eyes, thinking like, how the fuck am I going to see a gremlin? And I said, okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to see this gremlin that's telling me that I'm not good enough. And so the next morning I woke up and I swear when I was brushing my teeth, I saw this gremlin sitting on the taps for the water that looked like Estelle from the show Friends. Remember the Asian who like smoked cigarettes, but she was in the form of a gremlin, <laughs> like this little gremlin who was I'm like, oh, you're not good. good enough, sweetheart. Like that, I swear to God. Estelle wasn't Asian. <laughs> was that Asian? That was New York. I was trying. <laughs> Okay. I thought it was a good New York accent. Anyway, she was there saying that to me. And so then once I actually had this visual of her that she was this like crazy, goofy little gremlin, it, it completely deflated the comment of how big it was and how much it was weighing on my shoulders that I wasn't good enough. And so now, if I do get into moments where I have that overwhelming feeling of I'm not good enough, I can do a visual of her or, or, or pull up a visual of her and then I can laugh at it to deflate everything so it doesn't seem so harsh and so big. And I think that that's a really good exercise for people who are listening because I know yeah, that... I, I completely sorry, agree with that. Yeah. No, I, was, I completely agree with that. And a lot of the work, I mean, in that I was classically trained in grad school was like very similar and it's called narrative therapy and like going off the story we talked about like part of that process is like looking at this gremlin i mean i have them kind of come up with their own name for whatever they want to call it but yeah this thing that this protection mechanism it came into our life at a time where it wanted to protect it it has good intentions but when it's allowed to kind of run amok and completely control our life there are negative effects right and so really not just like yeah, getting the understanding of what it says to you, but also what time it came into your life, when it's out of ten, you know, ten out of ten, when it's out of zero out of ten. Like getting yeah. a full, complete picture. And what I tell clients is when they struggle with this, the question I ask them, I said, if this thing is its own living entity, let's just say it is, would it want to be discovered and understood? And always the answer is no, because once you can understand something, you can defeat it, right? So yeah. 
That's really that's really cool that you have that gremlin example as well. Yeah. See, I would imagine that my gremlin would would want to be discovered because they're so angry and lonely <laughs> that they're like, I just want to be acknowledged that I'm okay. Well, too. but that's interesting as well. Even if you do have that point of view, you're saying that this this person who's saying to you, you're not good enough, also has their own insecurities and is right. a nothing voice, right? So everybody who's listening to this voice who has nothing behind the voice, like like think about who you're giving power to. And mm-hmm. so, you know, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about this, Joshua talking about this, about figuring out your own potential and realizing that you have the power. We're giving all of this control and power to outside people, including women. The guys who are listening to this show are giving all of this power to their female gremlins, right? Mm -hmm. To tell them that they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. They can't ask them for a date. They can't ask for their phone number. They can't approach them without even knowing anything about these individuals. Um, So I think that the gremlin exercise and then, you know, the additional info that Josh was adding on is really beneficial to the the core, if you are at the core of if you're trying to first get over or figure out what is actually stopping you from having and achieving your true potential. Well, this morning, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. And I actually screenshotted a quote that it's really short, but it really hit me hard. It says, and and I'm embarrassed for reading inspirational quotes, but um, (laughs) it says, the moment you realize your worth, it increases. Oh, yeah. I love that. Which... It's so simple, but it's like mind blowing to me. It's like, oh but my it's god, true. Yes. It's it absolutely like true. right. So, have you learned that yet? It, no, it, no, no. I'm still worth nothing. But at right. least I know one day I'm worth something. I but will you be got amazing. A quote for when you do realize it. Yes. Yep. What's Lots What's so unfortunate is that a lot of these guys, as I'm sure you got you you guys know, is they're going to base their worth off their tangible results and their experiences, right? And so in the realm of dating and relationships, a lot of these guys haven't had positive experiences. They're like, well, how can I know I'm worthy if I haven't had any positive experiences to base that on? Okay, so let's let's talk about that. How how can they? Yeah, no, exactly. So basically, there's always to the rule, always. I've never found one person yet. Maybe there is someone out there that, that they haven't received some type of love from the opposite sex or some, you know, if they're... You know, heterosexual, but you know that have that hasn't received some validation, some approval, and so really, it's like there when your folk when the gremlin has full control over you, it's like it puts that blinder on, and you can't the exceptions. So you first exceptions, and also recognizing that, like, okay, well, you have like, this is the whole thing with your potential, right? And you're having of your own life is like, all right, you have a choice. You can choose to be, you know, feel like you're not enough, and then what's going to happen? You're going to feel this way. You're going to think this way. You're going to act this way, which is going to give you the same results. So it's like, let's just put a mask on just for a couple of days and feel like to act differently, to feel that you are enough, even if you're faking it. You start getting those positive experiences. They're like, oh crap. Like it challenges their overall, you know, conception of who they really are based off those um, kind of the mask and also looking at the exceptions to the world. That's what I do at least. Well, what if this person still has negative results? So let's say this person's like, fuck it. I'm going to smile at everybody. I'm going to bring everybody into my world. I'm going to ask how people are doing. I'm going to you know, shake hands with people. I'm going to make my barista smile. And they still get, from their point of view, like middle fingers up to them. Mm-hmm. What happens at that point? 
Yeah. I, so to be completely honest with you, I've never had that happen. Right. I, mean, I would love to know how you would handle that. Cause I mean, I've, I, when someone's congruently and honestly like happy and positive and confident, they get different immediately. So, I mean, I would love to know what I have because I haven't seen that. See, I, I haven't really seen that either in individuals. I have seen it in people who write to me, who believe those things and who've told me their backstory about never having a good situation. And then they say, I want a refund because this isn't going to work. And so I I haven't seen it either. But I would say that for some people that sometimes it, there are other things to adjust and to tweak in that, you know, just having the right mindset and a different attitude may not be helpful. So for example, it could be their outward appearance could be something that is a little bit more superficial that could be turning people off in some way. It could be their voice. It could be that they need to give people a few more moments to get comfortable with them. Like I have this one client right now who I've actually passed him on to to another coach, like an NLP expert, because I just have not, I have not been able to figure out what's going on with him. And it's actually like killing me that I can't figure it out. But he will try approaching people, try making friends. And he I've listened to him. He's recorded what he's done. And it he he sounds confident. He sounds happy. But what I've realized over time is that he quits way too soon. So he is shorter. He is a different ethnicity than most of the people that are in his area. He has a little bit of a high-pitched voice. So there, there are things that maybe people are not too welcoming to right off the bat. But after listening to a few of his recordings, I realized that he was ending his interactions too quickly. So I have this method that's called OSA, which is approach people by making an observation, sharing something about yourself, and then asking a question. And if he wasn't getting a positive response to his observation, he would quit. If he got a little further and he could do an observation and a share, and he then didn't get a positive response, then he wouldn't ask a question. So he was he was quitting too soon. And so my advice to people who maybe are not getting a positive response right away from smiling and opening themselves up is that sometimes you have to show a little bit more about yourself. And it's hard when you feel beaten down and then other people will be more accepting of you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great example. And I love that that acronym you use. Also, it's, it's some things we can't see from the recording is like, you can't see how he's feeling on the inside. There's a there's a um, concept in therapy called transference. Maybe you've heard of it, like countertransference. And it's yeah. just the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just with mirror neurons and how... Um, you've heard of mirror neurons? No, maybe. I've heard of well, mirroring, so, but I don't actually know what mirror neurons yeah, there, are. Yeah. There was I'm a study... Yeah. There was a study done um, with these researchers and rhesus monkeys and... They had their brains uh, attached to these like nodes, and it was for a completely different experiment. But the monkeys were observing the researchers eating, and then the same cells fired as if the monkeys were eating. And so the theory goes on to say that basically, it's, whenever you feel an emotion, let's say someone feels anxious or nervous, the girl's gonna feel it, right? You're gonna, you're, it's just gonna. The girl's not gonna know what the feeling is. She's just gonna be like, oh, this feels creepy or awkward or weird. So. Mm-hmm. Guys having these conversations and he's talking normal, but he feels completely terrified on the inside. The girl's gonna feel. She's gonna feel terrified. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so the girl, the guy's relaxed and he's you know quote unquote confident, but like relaxed and just at ease. 
that feeling is going to come off as well, I believe so. Yeah. And I think it's like a consistency thing too, because this wasn't a flirting situation, but I'm going to this gym and it's pretty small and the owner's there really frequently and he's not friendly at all. Mm. And he's a cop and he's just like the dude that you know, if he pulled you over, he would be a dick. He wouldn't laugh (laughs) at your jokes. He would definitely give you a ticket and a punch in the face. Like he just sucked. And so there was something about him and not in like a special way, but there was something about him that I just wasn't going to allow him to have that energy over me. Mm. And so every time, not every time I go to the gym, but most of the times that I'm there, he's there. And it took me about like a week worth of going, not like, oh, you know, seven days total, probably over the span of two weeks of going and seeing him and consistently smiling and consistently consistently almost making him uncomfortable with how comfortable I was with him. I love that. Yeah. And so finally he broke and he was like, he's like, are you um, related to, you know, and he started a conversation because he knows my name from the computer every time I sign in. And so he was like, oh, cool. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for, you know, your business and blah, blah, blah. But it took me just pushing it to that, like almost not annoying, but just to that part of like, he saw that I'm not phased and right. uh, it made him comfortable with me. Which I love I think it. Was really impressive. Yeah. Well, well, let me yeah. ask about, oh, sorry. I, wanna, I just want to ask you a quick question because I, I love that story, Chris, and I think it's wonderful. But let's say that you are not that confident in yourself. Let's say that you are a nervous wreck um, and that just can't be controlled for you. You've had so many experiences where you're rejected or you become frustrated or even that it's a gorgeous girl that like you're tongue-tied around, how do you then avoid the the mirroring neural? Like how, how do you calm that whole situation? How would you suggest that's done? Well, in this specific situation, I had nothing on the line. I was not attracted to him. He's cute, cute enough guy, but I had no intention of like wanting to get to know him at all or anything. I just didn't want him to spoil my mood every time I was there. Mm. So I think the key in, in this situation can apply, but I know it'll be more difficult, but it's to have no cards in the game, have no stock in it whatsoever. Because if he didn't like me, I literally could care less. I don't I don't ever want to go on a date with him. It was just for the sake of I want this to be a pleasant experience at the gym. I am a nervous wreck kind of at the gym. I'm not comfortable, I'm not confident. I'm embarrassed. I'm afraid people are looking at me or judging me. And so I wasn't allowing that to penetrate my mind with this guy just cuz my experience is already uncomfortable enough as it is. I don't want him to add to it. And I'm like giving him my money. Like right. it's his business. He owns the place. And so it was more almost like a stubborn thing of I'm not going to let this ruin shit for me. And I don't care what the results are, really. If he rejects me, he rejects me. I'll just eventually stop working out at this gym because I'm not going to be here forever and I'll move on. So if you can, for some, if you can some way find it within you to not feel like this is the one and only person you need to connect with, the pressure goes away and then you become much more at ease. And I think that mirroring shines off when you have no pressure on yourself. I think that's when you start to shine the most. Yeah, no, that, I think that, that's a good tool. Josh, what would you have to say? Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback on that. I, I love the whole, what you were saying about the, like recognizing that they, there's nothing that they fully give you to like make you happy. You know what I mean? Like it's just a place of like not needing, like not having that hole inside you that's not enough. Like I need them to fill me and just be like, you know what? I'm just going to express how I feel. And if we connect, we don't connect. And I know it's 
hard for a lot of guys who haven't had those kind of experiences to really emotionally recognize that. Because I mean, the big of learning is like from the head to the heart action. You know, you can know something cognitively, but knowing it emotionally is a whole other thing. So I kind of like also help. I mean, it's, it's like a must that when I work with clients to have them meditate. Because like meditation like will literally solve all your problems with women. Like if you if you consistently meditated for one hour a day and like literally did it, like you'd be less emotionally reactive, you'd be more centered, you'd have that calm state about you, you know, you would it would solve all the problems. So I get my clients to meditate. And the, the third thing is like baby steps. Like what is one small thing that you when you go into that interaction that it, it's definitely a positive? Like it's a little bit better than time like if your anxiety was a 10 out of 10 were you able to like hold eye contact a little bit longer were you able to focus slowing your words down and not like expecting the girl to like immediately fall in love with you after like a month of changing because that gremlin's been around most likely for your whole entire life which is decades for most guys right it's like you can't mm-hmm. change it after a month of work it's like baby steps so those are the three things that i also incorporate with those cases oh i Usually love helps. that no, I think that, that those are wonderful things. So I love what you just said. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Josh Hudson from The Pinnacle Man. So we'll be back in a minute. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey you, this is Marnie, and thanks for listening to the Ask Women podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also, give us five stars, just because. All right, we are back, and we are talking about how to achieve your full potential and how to get rid of all those crappy gremlins that are holding you back from the amazing success you should and could be having with women. So I wanted to get to some questions from our listeners. So here's listeners, sorry, from our one listener that we've been doing 300 plus (laughs) shows for over the past six years. Yes. Thank you, Joe, whatever your name is. So here's a question from Eddie. I'd like to ask your opinion on dating across cultures. A bit of backstory, but I had the privilege of meeting a girl from Jordan quite a while back. We dated for seven months. She was passionate, funny, humble, sweet, and educated. But in our case, she knew her extended family would never accept us. When she ended things, I tried to be as graceful as I could about it and took it with class. But during that time, I really developed a fascination and appreciation with other cultural backgrounds. I've since dated a few ladies from India and Pakistan. And one thing I found while dating someone from another cultural background is you never run out of things to talk about or stop learning. But in all instances, I think it was kind of blind luck as I met all of them online. I'd like to up my game and try to make an approach in person, which I guess is where I feel I need work. I'm not the most confident guy in person, but if I already have chatted with someone, it's way easier on a first date. That's what I'm trying to change. Anyway, sorry for the novel. Uh, kind of a very deep talk topic, Eddie. Yeah, it wasn't that deep, Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't that long. I've read pamphlets longer. Okay, so then, so first, let's talk about dating across cultures. Are there pluses, minuses, pros, cons, things to be cautious of? 
any of that, Josh, I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah. You know, personally, I've, I've only dated across cultures in my own life when I've been traveling, you know, <laughs> um, right. there's a lot of um, people that kind of come here, San Diego, that I at least know some different cultures. Some Brazilian, a lot of Brazilians here, but in the few clients that have worked with cross cultures, I mean, I think religion probably plays the biggest role. And so I'm looking at dating cross cultures, like it only affects long-term dating prospects, in my opinion. I don't know what you guys think about this, but in terms of... I agree. I'm also a therapist, right? And so I do I do work with married couples and stuff. And one of the things that you know breaks apart the most besides money, besides kids, besides sex, is religion and spirituality. One of my long-term girlfriends, we couldn't work out because of her religious beliefs. And um, she wanted to like donate the money to the church. She said that her kids had to be, you know, um, Baptist Christian. And I was like, well, I was more open, right? And so when it comes to um, religion, spirituality, and creating cross-cultures, I know that. If you see that person as a long-term partner, you really have to recognize um, the difference in values and see if you guys can compromise on that in terms of long-term dating. I'm not sure what you guys think about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Have you had any clients that have dra- dated women from other countries where you've seen that there was a, a, a difference in the style or mating dance? Have you seen any differences there? I just know with more conservative cultures, it tends to be slower process, right? I'm sure you guys have said as yeah. well. Um, the only clients I've really worked with that date from other cultures were like Asian cultures and European. And the, the problems came more along the lines of just the long distance, not really the cultural differences. I think it's probably the age though, too, because a lot of those clients were younger. And I know when the younger generations, they're less impacted by, I think, cultural norms, at least um, on the whole. But yeah. um, I haven't really noticed much of a, value conflict. I'd love to know what your guys' thoughts on that are though, if you or if you had experience with that. Well, it's funny. I remember I was coaching this one guy that was in Egypt and I was instructing him on how to be bold and confident and just like mm. talk to this woman who he had had an on and off relationship with in his office for like two years or something. He wasn't sure if she liked him, blah, blah, blah. So I just said, I didn't instruct him to do this in her office at work, but I told him to be bold and ask for what he wanted. And he ended up like barging into her office and just making his statement, which was <laughs> fine because he did it. And, and the woman looked at him and said, oh my God, you sound so American right now. And so that was like my first encounter with, eh, maybe this doesn't work in all cultures, but he did get his response. So even if it was something that was out of the norm for her because of their culture, it still got him the result that he needed, which was an answer to do you want to be with me or do you not want to be with me? So I will, I will say that I do agree with you that the only main difference that I've seen in dating women from other cultures or even in other places is just the pace at which you can go. I will say that people, or at least it seems like it, and I may get slapped in the face for saying these things, but for women who are in India, it's not that it's more superficial, but but like the front end game has to be stacked with some some status pieces mm, um, yeah. that, that they do have. Not all of India, obviously, but there is a, a portion of at least from my clients where those things are of higher value, um, more so than your communication style and how you represent yourself. So I think that that the status piece comes first. And then all of the other stuff that we teach about, I think 
come second. But I don't, I don't know if that's actually true. I'm not there and I'm also not an Indian woman in India to, to comment on that. Um, but I did want right. to talk about the other... Oh, sorry, go on. Well, I just can say from the guys that I've started to work with on the banter stuff, they seem to be, um, and I hate to say they, but it does seem to be a cultural thing where it's more of a Middle East kind of thing or something, but it does seem quote unquote shallower where I always, for the most part, hear from those guys, I would say eight out of 10 of those guys that contact me will say, I want a girl who's really beautiful and that's basically essentially it. And so I kind of agree, but I wanted to add something in with the cultural thing as well, as I think that dating across cultures is almost the equivalent of dating someone in a different age range. So a lot of people, when they date, they're like, I couldn't date someone who's 15 years younger than me because we didn't grow up on the same TV shows. We don't have the same like histories, a lot of things in common, et cetera. So I think if you have a special connection with someone in another country, I think that's a good um, way to jump in. But I don't think you should just look specifically in other cultures unless you're just so beyond interested because it's not there's not going to be that thing to link you unless you, you know, just are natural like souls or soulmates or something like that. Does that make sense? Well, it's interesting because that's not where I thought you were going with that statement. I thought you were going to say there's some more barriers to entry based on your beliefs of who you should, who you think you should be with. Like, so for guys who want to date younger women, they sometimes tweak themselves to seem younger or be younger in order to attract younger women when actually it's more attractive for them to be who they are, the older and wiser man. And I would say the same same thing for dating across culture. It's not about bending yourself to whatever that culture is. It's still about respecting and understanding that culture, but also still respecting who you are as an individual. So I would say the reason that for Eddie, he likes dating women who are across the culture is because he seems to love learning. Like that was a huge thing. That was part of his question saying it never gets boring because you're always learning something new, which I I think can be a wonderful thing in a relationship as long as that other person also enjoys that learning process and doesn't get frustrated with it always being a learning process. Right. Because when he said that, the first thing I thought was that they would run out of things to talk about because there's not a lot in common. But I like, you know, if you are a curious person like him, obviously it can work that to that direction. Yeah. But the other thing that he talked about was basically he was saying that he met all of the women that he's been with online. And he's having some difficulty with making that first approach or that first move in person. So Josh... Well, when you're in person, most likely, and if you're in the States, you're like, I don't know for sure if this person's from another country or they are. I mean, it's weird to just approach someone... I, I, maybe it's not, but if you just have a type which is foreign, you just like walk up to them and how do you express that you're interested in them beyond just because they're not from here? You know, would that be unattractive to do? Would be unattractive. I don't, I don't even know if that would be unattractive to do. I, I, I would say that you wouldn't lead with that. But Josh, I'd love to hear what you have to say because, you know, for online, you're matched with people. It's already sort of past that stage of saying, I think you're cute. I think you're cute. How... I think what Eddie's really asking is like, how do I bypass that weird moment where approaching becomes easier, whether it's cross-culture or not cross-culture? I have a very 
I don't want to say controversial, but weird stance about like online dating. I'm completely oh. against it. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I know a lot of people are pro and some people even meet their future husbands or wives on there. And I'm not saying that like that's not okay, but I'm just saying like I, if I was working with Eddie personally, I would actually gather or maybe even pursue the hypothesis that he's using online dating as a means to avoid rejecting or putting himself in situations of person that make him uncomfortable. I could yeah. be wrong. <laughs> but it, um, no, it's yeah, it's part I'm, of it for sure. It's way easier to do it online. It's way uh, easier to right, troll I'm, people online and bash mm-hmm. people online, of course. Mm-hmm. And if we talked about, I think we're going to go back to the gremlin, bring it full circle. And I mean, the gremlin is, you know, probably being like, yeah, online dating is the best, you know, just do it this way. And it's way, like, you know, that was you, that way you don't have to get hurt, you know? So, you know, for him, I would, I would say, you know, it's really important to really kind of uh, spend a couple of uh, months try, try, like working on trying to talk to a person. Otherwise, you know, because if you talk to these people online, yeah, you may feel comfortable. But I think when he finally meets them in person, it's like he's still going to have that initial, you know, apprehension and anxiety around being around them, even if he knows them. So there's those things in his personality. I think that it'd be most beneficial for him in his long-term goal of meeting someone to actually work on that and make that the focal point of what his uh, self-development journey is in regards to dating. Yeah, I totally agree. What do you think would be the first baby step that, or first baby step piece of advice that you would give him on yeah, how going, to... Going back to the baby steps. Yeah, I love it. I, I would actually say the baby step would be, it's going to seem counterintuitive, but to really actually just kind of hang out with like, make make it a priority. And I tell us with the clients too, to like hang out with more people in general, like doing like the, you know, like the, the whole, because there's the whole like cold approaching idea of like going, going to a stranger. And that's fine. That's a great skill to develop in your life, not just for dating, but for sales, for talking, for socializing, for making friends, but to develop like a group, a close group circle of friends and like you be the organizer of putting on these like events or like social gatherings where you're the you know, the head honcho that invites everyone together. It's a connector. And by that, you have a lot of value and you can easily meet more people in your life. And it kind of like makes you more comfortable if you're doing, if you're the one creating the event, maybe at your house or whatever. So that'd be something that I think would work for him as a baby step. I think so too. It's so funny. You and I have very similar advice that we give to people because that's like one of my baby steps first because it's something that I did for myself. Like I, mm-hmm. any new area that I get to, or I'll, I'll take a step back for a second. When you're younger and you're in school, I mean, your, your social life is is built, right? right like right, contacts right. are already there. And later on in life, it is more challenging for people to meet other people. And if you can be the facilitator of fun, of interesting things, of engaging evenings, even if three people show up, that's still you adding value, but then you also putting yourself into a position of the leader in some way, which can calm you down, give you confidence and make you more comfortable. Um, And I find that I do that for myself in whatever new area that I move into. And sometimes I find people are on board and sometimes people aren't aren't on board, but then that helps (laughs) me weave through the people that would, you know, be more like-minded to me. So I think it's really beneficial. And I completely agree with you that Eddie should definitely, you know, try doing that. Because I think that that would help him get over his fear of interacting with people one-on-one and can definitely have an impact on his dating life. Yeah. So I think we're going to end our show now because we're already at 41 minutes. But Josh, thank you so much for coming on to our show. I, I love the advice that you give. I think I can guess from, you know, just this time with each other that your, your coaching would have huge impacts on your clients. So why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you and find out more about The Pinnacle Man? 
Yeah. Um, so I, first of all, I want to say I really appreciate you having me on. It's a lot of fun and um, I'm really grateful for having me. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So people can find me. It's a pinnacle of man on YouTube. And then um, if they want a better way to kind of directly contact me if they want on Instagram, it's just Josh Hudson, H-U-D-S-O-N-L-M-F-T. So that's the way to kind of reach out to me if they want to find Amazing. Me. Wonderful. And Kristen, how can people sign up to banter with you or play tennis with you? Well, tennis, <laughs> I will be not looking super hot and, and smooth. So we cannot play tennis together if I want anyone to play <laughs> whatsoever. So you can just... Like, I'll be playing at Wimbledon. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I had the same skills at tennis that I do at the banter thing, I would uh, be failing miserably. So no <laughs> tennis, but you, you can hit me up at kristencarney.com slash dating help. And if you want to listen to my other podcast, Kristen and Chill, go for it. It's fun. That's awesome. And if anybody wants to get more exercises like the gremlin exercise that I talked about, I have a ton of exercises in my program called The Insider, called Get Off Your Butt Exercises. The program is broken up into four weeks and each week has about, I think, eight to 10 different exercises that just like helps you hone and own each skill that we're discussing and trying to help you develop in that week. So the program is called The Insider, which I'm sure you've heard of already, but I would definitely go check it out for more exercises like The Gremlin. Anyway, New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I am now also posting these podcasts on YouTube and I'm trying to have them be in line with the podcasts that come out on the other platforms. So if you want to listen or watch or whatever it is on YouTube, go to youtube.com slash Marnie Kinris and you can also check out about 200 plus of my other videos. Um, yeah. And if you want to ask questions like Eddie did for the show, please send them to ask at askwomenpodcast.com and we will overanalyze them to death on our podcast with our guests. You guys are amazing and wonderful. And I cannot believe that you have been listening to us for over 300 episodes. I which can. Is absolutely. Actually, fine. I'm like, no, get off. Stop listening already. Go, go date. But anyway... This show could not happen without the continued support of everybody who listens. So uh, we continue to appreciate it and hopefully we're around for 300 more. We'll see you guys next week. 